Yes, guys, how are we doing? Welcome back to the Talking Football podcast. This time it's going to be our top 10 Premier League January transfer window signings. So let's get straight into it. We're going to do top 10, of course. And we've ranked the, the transfers on three criteria. Firstly, the quality of player brought in. Secondly, the length of the deal. So if someone's quality, but then he's only, for example, on a six-month six contract, we could then say, well, someone who isn't as good, who's on a four-and-a-half, five-year deal, ranks rank higher. And then finally, the price of said, said transfers. So, so 10th, we've got Moises Caicedo for... Brighton, one probably for the the present, but also for the future, because he's still young. He's he's a midfielder, not overly expensive, and I didn't really see this one coming. To be fair, uh, no, no. Um, but Brighton have experience of getting these South American players um, across and developing them really well. Um, more recently, I can think of McAllister, uh, who came across from Argentina. Um, and obviously, uh, before that, Izquierda, who developed really well and had a, a good um, season a couple of years back in the Premier League. Uh, I just think back to that goal that he scored at uh, West Ham, um, which was um, a phenomenal goal uh, that any player would be proud of. Um, so, yes, it did shock me but it didn't because Brighton do have prior history of bringing these South American players across Yeah I agreed I think it's quite a shrewd deal that and if you think about Brighton they've always struck me as a team who they sign players who you'd probably expect them to try and sign so perhaps going a bit like out of the box a bit of off radar thinking as well because he's quite young as well so you expect some kind of like a little bidding war for these kind of players similarly mm. with Josh Madger who who Fulham signed of course from from Bordeaux in this window 9 million quid he's not a lethal goal scorer yet but he's still young and he he's also one for the future and considering the, the, the fact that their only out-and-out centre-forward is Alexander Mitrovic, who's had his injury issues, a lot of injury issues this year, this season, hasn't scored nearly as much as I thought he would. Would have done sorry. Highlighted by the fact that I think I've had him in for like 10 weeks of the fantasy league and he's only got like, like two goals, which has been shocking because I captained him. One, one game, he wasn't even on the bench, which is shocker. But yeah, Magia, another another really promising young player. Yeah, and he, he knows the Prem uh, with his stint at Sunderland, of course. Um, unfortunately, he went down the league with them and sort of left on quite a nasty um, sort of way. Um, that he was sort of like refusing to play into stuff, um, 
forced his move to Bordeaux. Um, but I think it's a good development move for him. Like now he's sort of had that experience. Um, it's now just time just to focus purely on the football and going to a club like Fulham, who are a very positive team um, at the minute. So um, I know they're not getting the wins, but the way they're playing will suit Josh Madges to a T. Um, he you know, sort of like high press uh, counter attack on with pace. He has pace um, as a player. Um, and like you say, he can cover Mitrovic, but he can also cover the wide players as well. Because um, I think he was used as a winger um, at his time in Sunderland. So, um, so it, it's a good utility player for uh, Scott Parker to have. Um, and it's, in, it's competition for places, isn't it? It might raise the game of Cavalera coming in, seeing this new kid who's younger than him trying to push him for a place, well, that, that's just going to increase Cavalero's game. And it, it could be a, a very positive move for Scott Parker and Fulham to have at this moment in time and help with avoiding relegation. Yeah, agreed. On to eighth place then, Omar Rekic. We moved from Hertha Berlin in the transfer window and joined Arsenal. He's another ball-playing centre-half and Arsenal seem to always purchase ball-playing centre-halves but I mean I think this is going to be like a like a repeating theme in this top 10. He's young, he has he has potential, he might not start straight away but he's going to develop a lot. If you think that Arsenal have have terminated the contracts of Socrates, who then rejoined Olympiakos in his home country of Greece, and of course Shodran Mustafi, who I think has since returned to Schalke, you'd say, yeah. are they right to have let those two go on, on a free and then bring in someone who's extremely less experienced but he's quick he can play left side of central defence right side and if he needs to do a job at full back as well I could probably see him do it probably they might transition into a back three if that was to be the case because I think he's got the pace to cover someone else such as David Luiz who isn't so quick so I think it's another I want to say a a shrewd signing from Arsenal because I've heard of him before but he's definitely fitting in that mould and that Arsenal always seems to go for. Yeah, and like you say, it's one for the future. Similar to that William Saliba signing uh, I think Arsenal made um, last season um, or the season before, I can't remember. Um, similar to that, he's he come through some good academies that Man City, he started, uh, then he went to PSC uh, and Marseille. So he's, he's got good, uh, it's a good um, set of teams to come through. Um, and obviously he got his break at Hertha Berlin, like you say. Um, and so, yeah, so, so yeah it, could, it could be one of these ones where it might work out, 
Um, and if it doesn't, they could probably sell him for a higher price than the, what they paid for him. I think it was like 500,000, I think they paid for him or something. Um, so it, if it works and he turns out brilliant, then you can argue that solves Arsenal's centre-back problems that I think we've said on um, a couple of other episodes of our podcast. Um, and if it doesn't, they, they can always like sell him on for a higher fee. Um, so yeah, it, it's good business all round, I think, uh, for Arsenal. Moving on to someone who already has vast Premier League experience now in seventh place. Everton have had a good start to the season, but they have dipped off over, over the last few weeks. So it was no surprise for me to see that they signed a, a forward on deadline day and Joshua King from Bournemouth is one who's never been, shall we say, prolific in the Premier League. Mm. But then he's always played alongside Callum Wilson in his time at Bournemouth and he who was always the one who was labelled and basically expected to score so he would get 85% of the service and they signed him for a nominal fee. I'm not quite sure what the fee is because that's because I don't think it's been released yet but he deserves to play in the Premier League. I mean this time last year and I think even in the summer Man U were supposedly highly interested in him and that was a shock to me, but I think Everton, solid top half, Premier League side, he'll be on the bench, he'll he'll start a few games, he'll be a solid squad player for sure. And if they're trying to get into those European places as they are, then it's crucial to have good good strength in depth. And I think he certainly brings that. Exactly. Uh, and a bit like Josh Madger, he's a good utility player. He can be a partner for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, or he can, you know, um, play out wide as well, like he did on a few occasions for Bournemouth. Um, he's always gone about his business quietly. Um, with Josh King, he, he's never been one to score twenty, twenty-five goals in a season, but he'll more than match that with his goal contributions. Like. So he might get 10 goals, but he'll also get 10 assists. Um, so he's a very sort of like shrewd player that Everton are bringing in here. He's, he's got vast experience of the Premier League um, and and also the English football. Um, and I, I, I really do like watching Josh King play. He, he's very calm, but he's efficient with how he works. Um, and that's just going to work hand in hand with Everton and the players around him as well, like Hammers and Richarlison and uh, Sylvie Sigurdsson, um, those, those players. Um, he's really going to feed off that quality and you might see a better Josh Kingdom when he was at Bournemouth uh, and that's, that's only um, because he, he probably should have not gone down to the championship last season with, with Bournemouth. He, he should have stayed in the Prem at the start of the season. Um, 
and I, I was sort of surprised that like a Sheffield United or um, a Brighton didn't go in for Josh King uh, when they go down. Um, but it's good to see him back in the Prem because I, I really do like Josh King um, and his time at Bournemouth. Um, he, he's been a phenomenal player for them. Yeah, I'm a super big fan of his as well. And people say, oh, he's never scored a lot of goals in the Premier League. But then you can counter that and say, this move is his first move to a team who will probably have most of the ball in a Premier League game. And certainly a team that will create a lot more chances than the opposition could expect. So do you think that like the move could now be his chance to finally prove himself and that he is wherever you have a place at a big side? Yeah, and it was probably his last season to do so, being 29, 30 years old. Um, if it wasn't going to come now, it would probably never have happened. And he probably would have just stayed at Bournemouth for the end of his career. Um, but I, th- I think now, I think it was the only time that he would get that big move. Um, and I think it's going to be a very positive move for him. Uh, like I say, I think I think his goals will go up and like just just feeding off the quality that Everton have in that midfield. Um, I think he'll just love it. Um, he'll, he'll play with some freedom now, and we can see the Josh Kings that we all saw as a youngster when he was developing at Man United, um, etc. So. Uh, even his time at Blackburn, you saw the talent that he had, and that's why he got the move to Bournemouth in the first place. And it, yeah, it, it's just now he, he can just go out and express the talent that we all know he possesses um, in a very good side as well. Moving on from someone who's impressed then in his previous time in the English top flight to someone who hasn't really hit the ground running yet, hasn't hasn't really shown the best of himself in Takumi Minamino, who, who made a late deadline day move from the Champions Liverpool to the South Coast in Southampton. I mean, I think those two clubs are basically saying, right, he, we told you him, so we'll take him off you, basically, I think, over the last few, yeah. few years. It's almost becoming a partnership. But Minamino is one who I, again, I think he's a really good player. I do really like him. And for me, I was extremely surprised Liverpool even considered letting him go in any kind of capacity. Because now, if you think about the the forward players they have, they've got the front three, obviously. And then you've got Shaqiri, Origi, and then Jota, who's injured. Mm. So, so they've only got five forwards, if you like, in that squad. And, you know, they're competing to try and win the Premier League, trying to retain the Premier League title, which is much harder than winning in the first place. Yeah. I believe. And then trying to, of course, get back that Champions League crown. So how they expect to compete well and successfully on those two fronts is beyond me, really, because you've got to have probably six or seven forwards in a team who you can say, for me, yeah, 
I expect him to come onto the pitch and play well. And he has started to play well. I mean, he scored in the 7-0 thrashing of Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. He's been chipping in with a few assists here and there as well, but it really did surprise me, this one. Yeah, um, but it was a player like Minamino's quality um, that we all saw at Salzburg, hence why Liverpool brought him in. Um, he needs to be playing week in, week out, and I think at Southampton he'll do that. Um, but like you say, for, for Liverpool to take the risk of letting go a highly rated forward um, in trying to retain the Premier League in trying to have a Champions League push again. Um, it is very risky and the fact that they didn't bring one in as well. Um, so I, I, I don't know how much Klopp was involved with those and um, whether he just said, right, you're not playing at the minute, but I need you to play to stay fit for next, like the next season, for example. Um, then it's a perfect move in that respect because he's going to get his game time at Southampton. Uh, I know they lost nine nil uh, the other night, but um, it is a very good team there, and I think he'll love that that spell. Um, so I think it is a great move all round because it's going to develop Minamino um, and that's only going to be positive next season. But um, for Liverpool to take the risk and let him go when they're trying from a fourth or fifth position in the Premier League, third, sorry, um, in the Premier League trying to go for the title, um, when they've been sort of struggling for um, any consistency in form, uh, letting go of a forward is probably not a good idea. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure Klopp will have his reasons as to why he let him go. Um, we'll just have to see how it works out for him. Yeah, I think he's he's already explained that he let him go on loan because he needs minutes and he needs to play play constantly to improve and to fulfil the extreme potential that we all know that he has. But I just feel that if Liverpool do get some injuries to the likes of Mane, Salah, Shaqiri again, because he only came, came back from injury a couple of months ago, if that actually. Mm. But, you know, from, from Southampton's point of view, as you said, six-month deal. It's basically a free hit for them. He could succeed yeah. and help them with their resurgence after another 9-0 because, of course, after last season's events, they somehow somehow improved dramatically. So so they'll certainly be hoping that he, that he can help them do that again. Yeah. Right, then, we're going to move into our top five. And at the very start of the episode, I explained that the length of the deals is a factor in our listing and I think if this one had been a permanent signing it'd be in the top two for sure perhaps even at the number one spot Martin Odegaard's loan until the end of the season to Arsenal 
is another yeah. attacking player for Arsenal. They let Erzl go on a free, of course, which then gave them 350000 a week to be, to be able to spend on, on wages and they've, they've paid some of that to, to get the Norwegian youngster in on, on loan from Real Madrid and this lad is, you know, he moved to Real when he was 16, I believe. Yeah. 22 now. His time on loan at Sociedad has been extremely impressive. I've seen yeah. him play as well in some of the European Championship, championship qualifying. I'm not sure that Norway, Norway actually qualified for the Euros, but he's a phenomenal young player. And I mean, if he impresses enough and they can afford him, you know, Real have got a big squad. Maybe they wouldn't let him go, but similarly to Minamino at Southampton, from Arsenal's point of view, it's another free hit, six-month deal. And I do think he could do really, really well in North London. Yeah, um, I think it's a great move all round. It's a great move for Real because he's going to develop in a very um, high-tempo league, um, which is that's, that's going to develop any player with some sort of talent extremely well. Um, and the talent that this lad has, um, like you say, he got a move to Real Madrid at 16. You've got to have some serious talent to be moving to a team like Real at that young. Um, and for Arsenal's point of view, it, it's a very good replacement for Ozil, who they let go. Um, he's going to have similar effects in assists and creativity. Um, and he, he's really going to bring Aubameyang's confidence back up after a little dip in um, sort of form this season to his prior, prior two seasons. Um, it, it may even uh, bring Lacazette back up to the form and talent that we all know that Lacazette has um, with the chances that Martin's going to create for them, them too. Um, and I think he's played alongside Danny Ceballos at Real Madrid. I want to believe. Um, so again, seasons and that kind of stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and um, so it's, it's, there's another player that he's played alongside with that's going to make his move easier. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a good move all round um, on all parts. Um, and like you say, it's a free hit for Arsenal because if he does well and they somehow have the money uh, come the end of the season to buy him, he's probably going to be saying about 40, 50 million maybe to get him away from Real Madrid. Um, but it just depends on how good he is in this stint as to how much to pay. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's just going to be a good free hit for Arsenal to have. And it's a very good move all round, like I said. And also, he's already got a lot of, of experience playing in European football as well. And although they're mm -hmm. playing better now, Arsenal, after a shocking start to the season, 
and they're winning just game after game. Top four, I don't see them reaching the top four. I don't even see them reaching the top six in truth. So their only route to Champions League and maybe even any European football does look like for winning the Europa League and there's, there's some strong sides in that this year. I think in, I think Inter Milan actually dropped out of the, of the Champions League again somehow. Mm. So Arsenal, in terms of winning the Europa League, aren't my favourites. But I think Odegaard is going to be a, a tremendous addition to the squad, not only in the Premier League, but also in the Europa League as well. Yeah. Another player who has left La Liga on loan until the end of the season is Willian Jose for Wolves. Of course, Jimenez had that horrible head injury against Arsenal earlier in the campaign, so, so they've really, really needed to replace him until he's fit playing again with, with another quality centre-forward and William Jose. He's not one who's played for your Atletico Madrid, your Barcelona, your Real Madrid, but he's seriously impressed consistently over the last few years at Sociedad. He may not score all the time, but I think his hold-up play and his build-up play in bringing in wide men such as Ayazabal in La Liga has helped Sociedad challenge again for the Champions League places. And of course, Wolves have got Traore, Podence, Neto, all on the wing who are who, you know, score and get assists regularly. So I think he's another quality signing, albeit only till the end of the season. So again, that for me is a reason why he's not higher up this list. Yeah, um, it, I think it's, if you're looking at strikers to replace him and Ed, he, he'll be up there um, because he's just similar in style of play. Um, may not have as much pace as Jimenez does, but his hold-up play and his strength on the ball um, it is just as good. Um, and I think you might see um, Neto and Podens have more effect uh, in the games now with the striker like um, Willian Jose and the experience that he has. Like, like you say, he doesn't have um, a very sort of like outstanding striker record in the La Liga, but I think he averaged about a goal every other game, uh, roughly, which isn't bad. Um, and if, if you have that sort of record for six months, that'll only um, help Wolves uh, in this six-month period that they got him for. Um, that might be like the goal to get them into Europa League, for example, and finish six or seven which is probably their aspirations this season. Um, but with with the quality that they have in midfield, um, with like Neves and Moutinho, um, and obviously the quality that they have out wide as well, um, Willian Jose is just going to slot right in and he fits the bill of what the striker that um, Nuno lost in Jimenez. They replaced like for like with Willian Jose. And to be fair, that's all you can ask for as a fan of Wolves is, you know, to lose a striker if you've got to find someone similar 
um, with similar qualities just to help the team play the same way that got them to uh, Europa League last season. So it's a very good, very good move, I think, um, uh, for, for Wolves to bring him in. Yeah, and I think especially considering the fact that La Liga has always been about the big three teams seeming to dominate every season. So for him to get a goal every two or three games, like you said, I think that's a really good record. Because if you, I mean, if you play for the big three teams, you expect that. But yeah. Hoshi Adada are a team who, like, their aim at the start of the season is to try and get fourth. And if they got fourth, that would be an incredible season for me, for them, because you've got Sevilla and all that kind of, you know, stuff. Villarreal coming back. Valencia, of course, have, like, dropped off over the last couple of years. But there's some real competition to get fourth spot in the Spanish top flight. So to score every other game or every three games, like you say, I think that's a tremendous record considering the clubs, clubs that he's played for. Yeah. So then we've talked a lot about Arsenal signing plays and then two of their signings have featured on this list. But in third place, it's a player who's left Arsenal this window. Someone who decided not to join Southampton and and to move until the end of the season, of course, on loan to West Bromwich Albion. And for me, that shocked me because I believe he was going to be playing slightly out of position for Southampton. And, that, and that's like a fair reason to not want to go somewhere. But then West Brom, how are they going to get out of the bottom three? I mean, he's not going to be there long-term, but Ainsley Maitland-Niles has been a proper England prospect for me, I'd say, for the last two or three years, for sure. Mm. Even longer, because he's always played well under 20s, under 21s, and I think a couple of seasons ago, certainly from my point point of view, I was I, I was backing him to get into the into the senior side so if you take it from the club's perspective West Brom that's a hell of a sign don't you think yeah um, like you said the experience that you have for a young player that's only going to help Big Sam in his push for trying um, to escape uh, the bottom three um, even we can argue how unlikely that is but that, I think that's a different conversation um, but the player that Big Sam has brought in here is a very good one and he spots right into the system. He's a play the back five and Ainsley Maitland-Niles is a right wing back. Um, so as good as Daniel Fairlong has been this season, um, I think Ainsley is going to sort of like knock him off uh, that starting position. Um, he, he knows the left wing back really well with Kieran Gibbs um, with their time at Arsenal. Um, they may not have played in the 
senior team together, but they would have been on the training pitch together um, and stuff like that when Kieran Gibbs was at Arsenal. Um, so that's just going to make the move even easier. Um, and the thing with West Brom, they do have quality up front. It's just been their defence. Um, strangely, that's let them down. We asked how well they were last season in the Championship. Um, I think, is it Semi Ajay? I think he got player of the season. I, I haven't checked it, but he was definitely up there as player of the season, um, in my point of view, because he was just really solid. No one could get past him. Um, and I thought this season he, he would have been up for the challenge, but he sort of looked a bit off off it. Um, and he's not really hit the ground running like he, he wants to. So I think this signing, bringing in another sort of like defender in a way um, could help the team. Um, and with the quality that Ainsley has, it, it'll sort of make life easier for Matthias Pereira um, and those sort of players that West Brom have in where they, they can just be a bit more attack-minded rather than trying to track every single run back um, because Ainsley has the recovery speed if he is out of position to get back um, to the line. Um, but he, he's just as attack-minded as well, so he'll sort of play higher up than what Dan Fairlong might do, um, which will only help West Brom in trying to get the chances to score the goals that they need at the minute. Am I right in thinking that he also played in central midfield and right wing in the Europa League? Uh, possibly. I think he's been that sort of utility player um, under Unai Emery, um, where he did play many positions. I, to be honest, I, I didn't realise that he had a specific position. that I thought he could just play anywhere. Um, I think he's even played left wing at times, maybe. Um, wouldn't surprise me. So it's a good utility player to have. But if he has played in those positions before, then if Pereira does get injured, well, Ainsley can naturally just go into that centre midfield spot with this with similar effects. And likewise, if Diangana was to get injured, then he can go on the wing as well. So. Um, so it's a good player for Sam to bring in uh, with the versatility that Ainsley has. Right then, top two now. Second place is a signing, which for me is a really good signing. Mm. It's not a, not a world-class player. He's not a striker, like a winger who has, who has flair, skills. He's a central midfielder. Morgan Sanson. Signed for Aston Villa in in the window, and for me, I mean, could sound a bit childish, a bit immature, but is he's a common FIFA signing, if you get me. He's, yeah, he's a player to have always liked, have always rated. He does you a job, put it that way. And Aston Villa needs. Someone else in midfield, 
who can basically do her job because you've got Douglas Louise who goes forwards, Ross Barkley goes forwards, you know, two superb signs of late also, but Samson's arrival, I think, is really going to solidify their midfield. Yeah, um, and only certain players play more. I think he's got 264 games uh, for his time in France. Um, so that's the sort of level of experience that um, Dean Smith is getting in here. And he's still only 26, so he's still on paper hasn't reached his peak yet. He's still so sort of like 28 is usually the peak age, isn't it, for midfielders? So it's a very, very shrewd bit of business here that Villa have got. And he'll make life easier for John McGinn. Um, I think he might even raise the game of like Conor Hurahan um, back to the level that we all know that he, he has. He's sort of been off it this season. Um, so, yeah, and don't like him, but Jack Grealish, I think he's going to love playing with huh? Morgan. Um, it, the, the quality that Morgan has, he, he's, I think he'll, he'll love it. And he'll, I think he'll, he'll make Jack's life easier um, where he can stay a bit more forward and probably doesn't have to track back as much um, on that sort of left wing. Um, so, so, yeah, it's a very good signing that they've got here. And I think, I, I believe, um, Matt, like, at the time, the SOS didn't want to sell Morgan. Um, and we all know how that's gone for the SOS at, at Marseille um, in this transfer window um, after putting in that resignation. Um, so, yeah, um, so it is a very good player with, with European and Champions League experience. Uh, that they're getting in here. So for Villa, if they were to finish in those European spots, it's a very good player to have in how to, you know, prepare for those sort of games on a Tuesday night, sorry, Thursday night um, in Europa League. Right then, we've reached it, the number one spot. The champions, Liverpool, I mean, we all know they've had incredible central defensive injury issues this season. Klopp continuously said, no, we're not going to sign anyone. No, we can't afford to sign anyone. And then about a week ago, and certainly after the Burnley defeat, and then Matip got injured, I think, away at Spurs. He's, he's suddenly said, well, we're going to try and sign someone. And they signed two. They signed Ben Davis from Preston, but also mm. signed someone from Schalke who... Again, he's not a big profile name, but Ozan Kabak from Schalke. Now, Schalke have only won, I think, one match this season at the time of recording, yeah. perhaps two, but I think it's just one, which raised a few eyebrows as to why you'd sign a centre-half has only won one, one game more season, especially Paul Merson. I mean, he's absolutely famous for his... His advance mm. on plays and, and signings and yeah. half time is wrong because he slated Robertson signing signing for Liverpool a few years ago and we all know how that's yeah. that's turned out. So Liverpool fans will be obviously hoping that history 
repeats itself there, but Karak is young, on loan at, until the end of the season, and then at which point the deal should should be made permanent. And for me, he's very similar to Nicholas Sula. Like he's quick, he's yeah. strong, good in the air, calm on the ball. Almost a poor man's Virgil van Dijk, if I want to be that harsh, but I do think yeah. he's a really good signing. He's young, he's got probably 10 plus years left at the top of his game. I reckon he's, he'll probably improve for the next eight, eight to 10 years for sure. And I reckon this lad could be really, really important if Liverpool are going to seriously challenge for the Premier League again. It's just whether he can fit into the side straight away. I think I think he can. Um, it, it, yes, he, he may be in a struggling team, but usually these sort of players, especially when they're so young, you stick them next to the likes of Fabinho, um, at centre back, um, who is very confident. That that can only raise your game. Um, I've I've already mentioned him before. Um, Semi Ajayi, he was at a struggling Rotherham side. West Brom bring him in. Um, and like I, like I said earlier, he, he was one of their players of the season last season in their championship promotion campaign. So this for me is very similar to that. He's, this young lad has been at a struggling Schalke side, but if you put him in a very good Liverpool team, that can only breed confidence. And it's only going to push him to want to actually reach the talents that he dreams of, you know. Um, so it's a very good signing um, for Liverpool. Because usually these sort of young players, especially in Germany, move to the likes of Bayern Munich, Dortmund, um, and they stay there for the rest of their careers, like you mentioned Nicolas Sula did uh, from Schalke to Bayern Munich. So... Um, and Germany do have um, providence in creating these young, tall, strong centre-backs that go on and have very good careers, um, usually within Germany. But it's good to see one of these try out in the Premier League. And like you say, I, th- I think he's six foot three, uh, very good in the air, very strong. Um, so that's just going to, I think the Premier League is suited for that sort of, centre back um, uh, to deal with the strength and like you say he's, he's got a bit of pace about him which is what you want from a centre back because um, if he is out of position he's got that speed to get back in uh, goal side um, but he's also with, with his height very good in the air uh, against those uh, sort of like lower Premier League teams that do like to go for the long ball um, later on in games just to try and get something um, against the big team so with a centre-back with the height that he's got he's going to be good in the air and to deal with those uh, long ball situations um, so I, th- I think he is a very good signing that Klopp has brought in here I mean you could even put the other one that just signed Ben Davis into the top 10 um, I think he's unlucky to miss out to be honest but I think this lad deserves to go top spot because 
he could actually have a very good career at Liverpool if he does stay. Um, if he doesn't, he'll still have a very good career wherever he goes next after Schalke. Right then, folks, that is it. We've done our top 10 January Premier League transfer window signings. I'll just um, run through them for you. Moises Caicedo moved to to Brighton. The young striker, Josh Maggio, returning to England with Fulham to try and help them in their, their rele- relegation fight. Josh King moved to Merseyside and joined Everton. Omar Rekic moved to Arsenal. Takumi Minamino and Martin Odegaard signed six-month loan deals with Southampton and Arsenal, respectively. Morgan Sanson's in second place. Sorry for Aston Villa. Behind him, you've got William Jose for Wolves and Ainsley. Maitland Niles for West Brom. And as of course, as we've just mentioned, Ozan Kabak for Liverpool takes the number one spot. So, just before we leave you, I just want to ask you, Will, in terms of clubs as a whole, which Premier League side do you think has had the best January window? Um, It's a tough one um, to pick one. I think I'm going to go for two. Um, We've had very good windows. Um, I'm going to go for Villa and Wolves because they've managed to keep their big players where you know, they could have gone. Um, but they've added quality to the team um, with Morgan Sanson for Villa and William Jose for Wolves, I think. Uh, so I think that they've had very similar transfer windows. Uh, I think they're, they're my two teams that have had the best windows. You can't argue with that. I also want to throw in West Brom as well because we've mm. we've talked about Ainsley Maitland now, of course, in our top ten transfers already. But they signed the the, the Turkish player Akai Yokoslu, who well, Dice has already said. I think that he believes he could be or is the best player in the squad. They've got a new striker, Mbe Diang. From from Galatasaray on loan, signed Robert Snodgrass from West Ham, proven Premier League player for sure, and also added experience in in the veteran keeper Andy Lonigan, who of course has been involved in Liverpool's success over over the last few few seasons. Of course, he's not played, but he's that experienced head who's been in the top flight for years. He's, of course, now tasted success with Liverpool, so I'd certainly stick West Brom in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So then, folks, that is it. We've named our top 10. We've given you our thoughts as to which three clubs have had the best January transfer window in terms of Premier League clubs. If you agree with us, let us know on social media. And I'm sure if you don't, you're probably going to do it all the same. And that is absolutely fine by us. So until next time, guys, see you later. See you later.